Good to see you. Welcome. So uh, my name is Rod, one of the pastors here, and uh, we're in a series in uh, the Way of Wisdom, and uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, that from uh, from uh, all about uh, Proverbs there. And so I'm going to invite you to look at the screens in just a moment here. But I'm going to be talking about making wise decisions. So uh, anybody here want to be a little wiser in your decisions in 2018? So uh, I was confronted uh, uh, years ago with an opportunity um, that my dad kind of subtly had mentioned to me. And, I, and uh, it was about a car wash. And so uh, we had a family car wash in Lake Elsinore called Lake car wash. If you were ever there, that's the Collins family owned that car wash. And uh, my dad was pretty fired up. It was going pretty good. You know, prices were reasonable and the service, you know, was really top notch. There was no competition really in the area at the time. And I knew the car wash manager and things were going good. You know, business was good. Profit margins were good. They were clearing money. And, uh, you know, one family investor was, you know, making like 50,000, uh, uh, a year. And so I was thinking, you know what, um, uh, I could see myself with an extra 50K in my pocket, you know what I'm talking about? And uh, so I was kind of uh, processing that just a little bit, you know, and uh, I could use a little more walking around money, you know, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll tithe on it, you know, and and uh, I'll, uh, you know, maybe do something romantic with my wife or, you know, get some new pots and pans or, you know, uh, save some money, you know, uh, for the college fund, you know, the 529 or, you know, so, uh, so I'm kind of thinking about a little bit here, you know, and, uh, and if I don't do the deal, you know, somebody else is going to be walking around with that money in their pocket. And so, you know, what should I do with this decision, you know, that I'm, that I'm looking at here, you know, the Collins car wash, I want to be a part of the action there, you know? And so, so the question is this, you know, do we really need do I really need this book of Proverbs, you know, to tell me, you know, that I'm not always the best decision maker? Do I need this book here, you know, to tell me that I have blind spots? Do I need the book to tell me that sometimes I can be a little overly optimistic, you know, in how I look at things? So I'm wondering, you know, if Proverbs has anything to say about this this decision that I was going to make here. And, uh, you know, there were some temptations to kind of jump in, you know, with my dad and all, you know, and I kind of, uh, you know, wanted to be a part of his journey. And so I was processing. I really didn't say anything. You know, I was kind of keeping it to myself. And so, but you know what? Life is like that. Decision after decision after decision. And I don't know about you, but there's some decisions that I've made. And I've gone like, yeah, you know, right on. You know, you want to take a victory lap. And uh, that was awesome. One of the best decisions that I've ever made. But then there's other decisions where I think, ah, what was I thinking? I wish I had a do-over on that one. You know, I wish I had a mulligan. And so anyway, so the question is this. How do you make wise decisions? And what does God have to say about your making wise decisions? My bet is that at least, you know, most of us, 99% of us here, that we're always, you know, in a, in a season, a space, a place of making decisions. And so this morning here, uh, we're going to look at how to make wise decisions. You know, you're at a, you're at a decision making crossroad, a turning point where you, you know, you need a roadmap, you know, and so Proverbs provides that on how to make wise decisions here. So we have in your, in your worship guide there, some notes here. If you want to fill in the blanks here, if uh, all the A students, by the way, uh, just, Checking if the A students want to fill in the blanks and uh, you want that gold star in heaven, you want to remember the message, you can uh, do that. So anyway, so how do you make wise decisions? Well, Proverbs is written by this young king, Solomon. So God comes to Solomon and says, you know, anything you want, I'm going to grant that wish. 
Solomon doesn't say, you know, I want fame or I want fortune or I want to smash my enemies or I want more territory or anything like that. What Solomon says is, you know what, God, that you'd give me wisdom that I might lead your people. And it pleased God that, that Solomon asked for wisdom here. And God was like this. I, that's my boy. You know, like I'm, I'm pleased. I'm impressed that he asked me for wisdom. Not only am I going to give him wisdom, I'm going to give him everything else that he didn't ask for. Fame and, and, and riches and territory and all. And he gives him the whole package there. And so Solomon then begins to record, as the wisest man that ever lives there, begins to record some gold nuggets of wisdom here, uh, like a warehouse of wisdom. He was just endowed and gifted with this divine wisdom on how to rule the kingdom and live life here. And so Proverbs then is timeless advice on how to live your life, how to navigate your way through life here. It explains how God designed life to work best here. And so I'm suggesting that we would all re-enroll in the School of Wisdom, Proverbs style, over the next couple months here, because we really need, at the beginning of a new year, what this has to say. And it would please God if we would ask for wisdom, because the wise ask for wisdom. So what is wisdom, then, in your notes? What is wisdom? It's not what you know. Wisdom is not what you know, it's how you live your life here. You know, you've all met smart people, right? You meet people that know a lot of stuff here, and they make some of the stupidest decisions that you've ever seen there. Uh, maybe you're not that person, but you could raise your hand if you're sitting next to that person that has done that. And so all of us, though, can sign up to be wiser people. It is our opportunity to do that. It's never too late, never too early there to sign up for wisdom. Because we want to make wise choices, right? About our futures, about our family, our finances, our careers, our relationship, where you're going to go to college. You want to be wise. And so wisdom is not how much uh, uh, that you know, but really how you live your life here. And so the Bible says, the half-brother of Jesus, James says this in James chapter 3, verse 13. He says, who is the wise? Who is the wise in the understanding among you? Let them show it. See, wisdom comes to expression and how you live. Let them show it by their life, by their good deeds there, done in humility that comes from wisdom. So notice that he doesn't say this. He doesn't say, who is the educated? Who is the popular there? You know, who is the successful? Who is the rich? But he says, who is the wise? So James says, I want to know who the wise people are here, and I'll tell you how you know who's wise. You can see it in their life there. So wisdom, you know, it's not about, you know, what college you went to, or even if you went to college, or your GPA, or SAT, or, you know, uh, you're, you know, got a little leanings toward Einstein there, has nothing to do with that and everything to do with how you live your life. So finally, Proverbs chapter 3 Verse 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord a little bit. Trust in the Lord when you feel like it. Trust in the Lord when things are going good. Trust in the Lord only when you need. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't rely on your own insights and your own understanding. In every way you, in all of your life, in all of your ways, if you'll just look to Him, acknowledge Him, ask Him, He'll then direct your path or direct your decisions. And so I want to unpack this for a moment here. Because it says, you know what? You need to trust God, first of all, not your gut. 
not your instincts, because at a key intersection, at a key crossroad of your life here, uh, you can you need to stop and just ask God and check in with Him. In other words, don't limit yourself to yourself. You need to think, you know, beyond yourself here. And so, and it makes sense, doesn't it? Not to limit yourself to yourself. Because how many dumb decisions, how many stupid decisions, how many decisions have we made that we regret? So I have done some, and I'm going to talk about some of those decisions. So the Bible says, invite God into this decision-making process. Don't lean, don't rely on your own intuition there, because you might get it right sometimes, but you're going to get it wrong a lot of other times here. So you declare then that you want God's wisdom. You invite that into your life. Say, God, with all my heart, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you into this situation to give me wisdom here. And God says, I'll give you rock-solid assurance and the security that I will do that. And so what do we do, though, when we hit spots where we don't know what to do? How many people worry? How many people get stressed out? How many people here, you know, you make your list, you know, of the pros and the cons. And, you know, if I do it, you know, and if I don't do it. And we Google, you know, how to make a good decision there. Proverbs says this. Hey, time out here. If you just trust God, create a God God guided process here. Because his ways are higher than our ways. He knows the end from the beginning. Okay, invite God into the process and he will help you here. And so it says, he'll direct your path. How cool and how awesome. How great is that here? And so getting back to the car wash. So I'm, uh, I'm thinking about it here. I'm processing this a little bit here. But the scripture says this, don't rely on my own insights. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but my own insights got me to where I am today. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know what? So I'm supposed to chuck? I'm supposed to toss all my, my insight here? Really? Like, don't rely on your, your own insights? I mean, come on. Like, don't I get to make the call every once in a, a while here? But Solomon says this. Oh, but you need to be very cautious about your own intuition here. Because you can be wrong. You can be wrong about that relationship. You can be wrong about that career. You can be wrong about that move. You can be wrong there. So don't rely then. Don't put too much stock in your own intuition here. In no way whatsoever is he kind of insulting our IQs. In no way whatsoever he's saying that you don't have any insight. He's not saying that. He's just saying, look, in the rhythms of your life, don't begin building all of your, your confidence into you making your own decisions here. Because again, you can be wrong here. So what you have to do, and I think a roadblock to why we don't do this is because really you've got to humble yourself. You've got to disengage. You've got to pause, call time out, humble yourself here so you don't make a unilateral decision that could ruin you here. So what I want to do this morning is this. I want to give us three ways to wreck, three, three enemies of effective decision-making. Three enemies, and then I want to give us the three friends of effective decision-making out of Proverbs here. So what I'm going to do, the first three, they're kind of quick, they're short, they're kind of little mini points, little bank shots. And then the last three are three-point bombs, and I'll be spending more time on them, okay? So three ways to wreck effective decision-making. Number one is this, in your notes and on the screens, is this, is hurry. Hurry undermines effective decision-making. Think about it just for a moment. Proverbs says this, haste or hurry, hurry leads to poverty. 
In other words, when you're in, when you're in a hurry, haste, and you're always in a rush there, and you're not processing your decisions, you are going to make dumb decisions that will lead to poverty in some area of your life. Maybe it's relationally, maybe it's financially, maybe it's in your business world, but it'll lead you to poverty. And so hurry undermines effective decision-making. So you know what I've, I've leaned into uh, uh, over the years is this, is that you know, there are fantastic opportunities there. You know, that simply come into your life, you know, and are presented and then like, but I need an answer, you know, in 24 hours or I need to know in two days or whatever. And uh, my answer is that until I have adequate time to process all the information, I'm not going to do it. So I will just say, I need time to, to process that, wrap my head around it and invite God, you know, into this decision making process. Another enemy of effective decision-making is anger. Let's think about that. Think about that for a moment. How much anger undermines effective decision-making? Have you ever regretted? Do you have any regrets in your life there? A decision that you made under the influence of anger. You know, what kind of decisions do you make when your temper is flaring and you're ticked off? You're all amped up. What kind of decisions do you make? You will regret those. So Proverbs says this in 1429. It says this. It says, people with understanding, they control their anger. But a hot temper shows great foolishness. Okay, It can lead to great foolishness. So I can remember my childhood buddy, Mike Hendricks. And Mike Hendricks and I used to hang around all the time. And I used to go over his house, have dinner over there. And uh, uh, we were kind of the two neighborhood runts, rats, and so he was always getting me into trouble. But one of the things that happened with Mike is that his dad was always yelling at him. His dad, I mean, abusively yelling at him. And I remember just, just feeling so uneasy sometimes, even sitting around the dinner table, and he kind of go off on his son, and Mike uh, eventually uh, uh, committed uh, or, or overdosed on drugs and died. But, uh, but just the abusiveness of that, it was just out of control there. And so the Bible says this in Ephesians. It says, be angry and watch. Of course you're going to be angry. There's nothing wrong with this feeling the emotion of anger, but it's what it, what it can do to you. And so it develops a life within you, and it leads you. And this is be angry, but don't sin. See, that's what anger can do. So it can just, just wreck relationships. And so some of the worst decisions, some of the worst decisions you ever make will be under the influence of anger. Think about that. When's the last time you sent off a text or an email? Somebody popped off on you and went off on you. And you're like, yeah, I'll show you. And you send, you know. You know what I'm talking about? I've got some of those from you. <laughs> I've got more than one from you. And uh, you know what? I'm very tempted. I am so tempted to fire it right back at you. What I've learned to do is call timeout because I know that in anger I'm going to say things I'm going to regret. It's going to lead me to something foolishness. I'm not just going to, you know, fire. But you know what? I'm on vacation and I get one. You know, it's like, first of all, this could have waited. I'm on vacation and, and I'm like, I'm not going to respond because I really don't have anything nice to say. I've got nothing nice to say. So I waited till I got home from vacation until I responded. I could kind of chill, take a little chill pill and had some days to kind of, you know, regain my 
my senses and emotional equilibrium over that text. But you know what? Uh, those type things, you know, can undermine effective decision making, the influence of anger. The third one is this, and where this is born out of is for three generations, I experienced this in my family. So this is not finger pointing at anyone. This is telling you like, this is my world for three generations. And that is excess alcohol undermines effective decision making. I remember when I was a kid, you know, with my grandmother, Danda, and uh, she's like, you want to go for a ride? Yeah, I'm up for a ride, Grandma. And so we would take off driving. I kid you not, this is the truth. And we would be riding down the road, and she was so under the influence that she would go off to the side of the road, two of the wheels on the sidewalk, going over, you know, all the driveways and everything, and two on the road like this. So I'm like, oh, Grandma, yeah, you know, it's like, this is quite a ride, you know. But uh, so... Uh, how much, you know, and that's my introduction to that world there, but uh, how much was she led astray from, from wisdom by her excessive drinking? I mean, I could have really, uh, not being too dramatic, I could have lost my life there. And so, um, so rather than give you pile on more and more Proverbs, I'm going to go to the, the great wisdom of country singer Brad um, Paisley and give you this. Uh, so he talks this about alcohol. He writes this song called Alcohol. Maybe you've heard of it. And here are a couple of lyrics uh, where alcohol speaks in the first person. You ready? You ready? That was hardly convincing. He says this, I got you in trouble in high school. In college, now, <laughs> that was a ball. I had some of the best times you will never remember with me. Because I'm alcohol. I can make anyone pretty. I can make you believe any lie. I can make you pick a fight in a bar with someone twice your size because I'm alcohol. And so there's other lyrics, but they're not suitable for our context this morning. So I'm just going to kind of wrap it up there, the wisdom in country music. But, uh, you know, rap music can't even touch, uh, touch that. You know what I mean? But um, and so, so I got to experience this Friday night. I'm walking out of a restaurant, you know, I went uh, uh, with uh, the pastors from Sanctuary on a retreat there, about six of them behind me, and, and I'm walking down the steps, and this gal makes a beeline for me. Remember that part there about it can make anyone pretty? She makes a beeline for me. It's really not that funny. She makes a beeline for me. And so I've got my arm out. I've got, I'm, I'm walking down like this, and she like comes right over to me, and she grabs my arm. And she says, hey, you want to have dinner? And I said, um, I can see you with your friends. and I, I, I'm good. You're, you're good with your friends. And so I kind of like, whoa. And so, uh, but you know what? That's what it does. You know, it just, it, it, it does that. And so Proverbs says this. Those led astray by, by, those led astray by drink can't be wise. It's just not wise. It doesn't say you can't drink. But it says when you're led astray, when you're led down that road, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a road ultimately. Its ultimate end can lead to foolishness. And so someone, someone said, you know, when, when I'm doing that, when, I, when I'm drinking like that, it's like taking an idiot pill. And so uh, Jesus, you know, he turned water into wine and all that. And, and I'm just, I'm talking about the end of where excessive drinking can take us here. And so three questions then I have for, uh, for us 
uh, that I want to talk about that really now, this is how you make wise decisions. This is it right here, okay? So the first is this, is like, well, what does God say? Like, you know, what, is, what does he have to say? God's guidance will always be consistent with God's word. Like, what does he have to say? You know, so there's a lot of things like can bring clarity on because he is consistent with his word here. And so God gives us, you know, instruction, gives us, you know, he gave us life and then he gave us instruction on, on how to live life here. And then he gives us all these examples, you know, of like, you know, the dumb tax that we don't have to pay here. And so Psalm 119, uh, 115 says this. It says that God's word then is like a lamp. It's like a lamp for your feet. It's like a light to your path. And so that's so in that day, you know, they didn't have, you know, smartphones and all to kind of light their way at night. So they would have little lights there, little candles. And that candle then would, would light their way so they wouldn't trip in a hole, so they wouldn't stumble, so they wouldn't walk into something. So to, to protect them. So the Bible is saying that God's words are like that, keeps you from stumbling, you know, in a hole, bumping into, you know, something else that you, it protects your way there. And so most of the wisdom that we require on a daily basis is like, it's already there. You know, it's, it's already there. And so should I pay my employees fairly? Already there. You know, uh, somebody does me wrong. Should I forgive them? Already there. You know, God's word speaks clearly on those things. And so, uh, so we have his wisdom there. And his wisdom, his word will never lead you to a place of contradicting what he said. So, um, anyway, you got it? So it'll never lead me to bet on the Dodgers. It'll never lead me to bet on the Rams because they lost. They're, anyway, so his guidance always consistent with his word. So secondly here, secondly here, okay, you have his word, the wisdom there. But then it says we also have his spirit, God's spirit. So God's guidance, what does God's spirit say? And watch, God's guidance will always be consistent with God's whispers. Always be consistent with his whispers. In other words, um, maybe you're, you're pursuing a relationship and there, I think that's like the hardest place to figure it out because the hardest place to hear God's spirit here because you get so emotionally entangled and entwined and wrapped up in it there. But God's spirit then, his whisper, you know, it's like an inner prompting. It's kind of like an inner tug there. Kind of like a little nudge, you know, to, to do it or don't do it. It's kind of a, kind of an impression there that begins to favor one course of the decision over another. And so, what are the guidance of God's whispers? God can give you a strong, like, a strong impression that creates a leaning toward one decision over another decision. And so you want to build that, you know, awareness into your life and to filter your decisions through that kind of, that, that process, that the peace that God can give you there. In fact, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says this. It says, let God's peace then rule in your heart. In other words, let his peace kind of umpire. Y'all, you know, familiar with an umpire? You know, strike and ball. Well, sometimes things happen in your life. And you're like, oh, that doesn't feel right, you know, and should I or shouldn't I? And you're not feeling any peace at all. You're feeling uneasy about it there. Well, that's like God saying, like, that's a ball, dude, you know, don't do it. You know, don't swing, you know, uh, don't go down that road there. And so the Bible says, follow after peace. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says this. It says, the mind controlled by the spirit, watch, it leads to life. 
into peace. See, it's life-giving there. And uh, so the mind controlled by the Spirit. Okay, So if God is working in you, working in your mind by His Holy Spirit, it leads to these two things. It's leading to a a life there. It's life-giving. It's new life here. It feels like, yes, this is right. This is awesome. This is good. This is cool here. gives life there. And it leads to peace. So back to the car wash. So I'm going, you know, I'm going down the road here processing the car wash, and I'm getting increasing amounts of, of uneasiness. Even though, you know, I really wanted to do something for my dad, and some of it was I wanted my dad, like, to just kind of appreciate that I could pony up some money and, and do the car wash with him. But anyway, um, so I spent months mulling over, you know, this here, and I really, it didn't pass the peace test. It did not pass the life and peace test here. In fact, I was feeling more drained. I was feeling anxious. I was feeling stressed. I was feeling, you know, uh, just kind of worried about, you know, what if I do this here? And so I begin to back off the decision. So see, that's what God does. God will guide you by his word, but God will guide you by his whispers. And thirdly here, what God will do is in making decisions is he will guide you by his wise children. So you want to ask the question of this, like, what do God's wise children say? So the way of fools, the Bible says this, the way of a fool seems right. Like, I've made decisions where I thought, like, I know that's right. The way of a fool seems right to him, but the, but the wise listen to advice here. So what do God's children say? And here's what I know to be true. Here's what I know to be true. Is that if you listen just to your friends, you listen to your family here, who were like you, and, uh, uh, and, so, um, and they like us, they're not going to always tell you the truth. They're not always going to tell you the truth because they tend to agree with me. And, they'll, they, and sometimes I would just want them to affirm what I have to say, what I'm thinking, the decision that I want to make here. So what do, what do God's wise children say? Well, the way a fool seems right but the wise listen to advice. And so the speaker this morning has played the fool many times. Sorry to shock you, but I've played the fool many times. So one of the first times this came to expression in my life here was when I was in school. And uh, we used to do the thing back in the day called a swat out. The swat out, you know, it was legal back then. You could challenge somebody. You could challenge anybody you wanted to, to literally hit somebody as hard as you could with a wooden paddle. Big honking wood paddle made in wood shop. Big thick thing, you know, inch thick. Had holes in it for maximum velocity on impact there. And you could challenge anybody you wanted to a swat out. So I was one of the smallest kids in the school. And I challenged the biggest kid in the school to a swat out. And my friends were like, Rod, you're an idiot. And so, uh, and I was. And so, but I, but I didn't care. Like, you know, it's like, I'm not going to listen to advice because I'm a guy. And uh, so I go up to Araujo. I mean, you just know by that you don't challenge Araujo to a swat out. You know what I'm saying? He was like in, in junior high. He was 250 pounds, full beard. You know, he was a man child. He was that kid. And I go up to Araujo in junior high school, about 100 pounds, dripping wet on my best day. I said, Araujo, you want to do a swat out? He was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a swat out. 
So, so about a hundred of, of uh, kids, you know, all my homeboys and everything, we go into the locker room there. And, uh, and so I got to go first, you know, so I'm like, so Araujo had to go like this. He had to bend down like this and you had to hold your ankles there. And so I got like a nice big old target there, you know, and, and uh, so I'm like ready. And, uh, and I swing with everything that's within it. Bam! And it, bam! And it went so loud in the locker room. And everybody's going crazy and jumping and high-fiving, you know. And I'm like, yeah, you know. And Araujo is like, it was like, it didn't even phase him. I'm like, oh, I'm dead meat. I'm dead meat. What was I thinking, you know? So, so I bend over, you know, and Araujo hits me. And it wasn't as loud as my hit on him because there was less surface area. But he hits me. And I just blacked out. I just, I just went numb. I mean, not just in my rear. I just like went numb to the top. I just, I just went numb and like it hurt so bad, you know, that I was just black and blue for weeks. You know, I couldn't sit down in class, you know, it's like, uh, you know, so, um, I was like one of the dumbest things that I've ever done here, you know, and, and uh, um, and so why would, you know, it was like David versus Goliath. Why would I challenge a man child to a swat out? And so, uh, but I was convinced. I was caught up, you know, in the, all the stuff of, I was convinced it was a cool thing to do, you know, so I challenged Araujo to a swat out. The way of a fool, the way of a fool seems right to him. I was so convinced it was cool here, and, uh, and so that was it. You know what? And, it, but, but what I know to be true is this, is that all of us, in different expressions, you've had an Araujo moment. In a relationship, in a career choice, you've had an Araujo moment. And so it says here, Proverbs fourteen twelve, there is a way that see appears to be right, but the end there, we better not miss this one. Got to get this right. Because in the end, it leads to death. It can seem so right, and I want it so bad here, and it's the life that I want, but I promise you, the Bible says it's spiritual death here. And, uh, and it'll take you, it'll take you far from God, even though it can seem so right to you. Proverbs 15.22 says that plans fail for lack of wisdom, but with many advisors they succeed. So as I look back, as I look back, the worst decisions I've ever made are, are, are the ones here where I didn't seek wise counsel. So the Bible is saying this, you've got to suck it up, and you've got to let go of your pride and your ego and just say, you know what? I need some, I need some advice on this. I need some financial advice. I need some counseling in, in my relationship or my marriage or whatever. And check this out. Check this out here. Rehoboam here is Solomon's son. And you know why you've never heard of Rehoboam? Because he's one of the biggest idiots in the Bible. And he only lasted a few days. But imagine the advantages that Rehoboam had. Okay, his dad is the wisest, the wisest man that has ever lived. Not only that, 63 times in the book of Proverbs, he's saying, my son, my son, my son. He leaves him with this book of wisdom for his son, for his son, so that he could get it right, rule the kingdom right. So what happens then is Rehoboam comes into power, and what he does is he goes to the advisors of Solomon, his father. And they give him like this brilliant wisdom. They're like, okay, kid, come here. We'll, we'll tell you what to do. What you want to do is you want to serve the people. And if you serve the people, they're going to love you. I mean, Rehoboam, they're going to they're think you're a rock star. They're going to absolutely love you. That's what you need to do. 
So Rehoboam's like, okay, yeah. And then what Rehoboam does is he goes to like his, like his junior varsity buddies, you know, from sports and stuff. He drinks Cokes with him. So he goes over there and says, what do you guys think? They're like, <laughs> what you need to do is you need to tell them that maybe Solomon was hard, but you're going to be even harder. You're going to grind these people. You're going to tax these people. You are not going to let up on these people. So, so Rehoboam's like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with your advice. So he gets before all the people. He goes, yeah, you guys know my dad? Yeah, he was hard on you. Well, I'm going to be harder on you than my dad. And you know what? My dad's waist, that was like a little pinky to me. Like I'm like way bigger than my dad. So what I'm going to do to you guys, I'm going to tax you guys even more. The people are like, yeah, we're out of here. And Rehoboam's like, oh, he's like, you, you can't do that. And they're like, yeah, we're out of here. i watch. In three days, his dad's the wisest man in the world. He got the wisdom of all his dad's counselors. Okay, He's got Proverbs there to guide him. And in three days, Rehoboam loses the kingdom. I mean, how foolish is that? Wisdom all around him, the opportunity to make brilliant decisions. And he blows it all off and goes his own way here. And so Rehoboam stands as a lesson to us here, is that you can have great advice at your fingertips, and you could ignore it to your own demise there. And so you'll always find people like he did that would agree with you. And so these days, you know, like, look, uh, get people around you that are wise, that love God, that know you, and that will tell you the truth. You don't want to fly solo in making those critical decisions. And so, back to the car wash. So, if I had talked to my friends, if I talked to my friends about the car wash idea, I could tell you what they would say. They would have said, you know what, Ron? Uh, the car wash idea is a wash here. Are the numbers real? You know, how is it really doing? I know they would have shut me down. In fact, one of my friends comes up to me after the first service. Goes, Rod, if we had talked about that, I would have told you. Yeah, I know we. Ne- I never got. The- yeah, but if we had, I would have talked. Yeah, I know you would have. So anyway, uh, they were here to remind me. And so, friends. How often, you know, are we willing to process our key decisions, our key decisions with wise, trusted friends and God's wisdom, God's way, God's guidance becomes more clear here. And so how often uh, are you, can you be guided by people, you know, that they love you? You know, like Solomon, you know, the advisor, they're around you. They're available there. They care about you more than your feelings. Okay, they're going to trail you the truth whether or not that you like it. So the question is this, you know, are we willing to humble ourselves from here on out and ask for wisdom from God? Are we willing then to listen to the whispers of his Holy Spirit? And are we willing to engage his wise children to help us make these decisions? I think one of the most... um, one of the painful things for me in this journey as a, uh, of being a pastor is when I talk to people that, you know, uh, and they tell me their story or they tell me their situation and they have a decision to make, the magnitude of which you would never want to go solo, but yet that's their reality there. That they've kind of missed, you know, um, 
building, you know, friendships that could, could speak wisdom into their life. And you know what? That's one of the reasons why we, we talk about community all the time. That's why we show the video on Rooted all the time. Because we recognize there's some people that if we engage in a higher level of community, you'll meet some of those people, not everyone, but you'll meet some of those people there that when you're standing at a crossroads, a critical turning point, that they can speak into your life. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing here. And that's how God has designed it. That you would have his word to, do, to lead you, to guide you. Secondly, then, you have his spirit whispering to you. And thirdly, it's, it's collaborated by the friends that you have around you, by the community around you. And so, what are we going to do from here on out? James says this. James says to be, to be not just hearers of the word, but to do what God has says Otherwise, you're fooling yourselves here. And so it would be awesome. It would just be awesome to me if every single uh, one of us could begin to, to walk in, in wisdom. But I just want to ask this and give you this thought. What if, what if all of us here, we begin to walk in wisdom and we start getting decisions right? Are we getting relationship decisions right, financial decisions, and turning point, critical decisions? And we're like, hey, you're just on a roll, you know, you're just doing awesome there. All these, you know, you're nailing decision after decision, and then you missed one decision. And you missed the one decision, the wisest decision that you're ever going to make, the, wise, the decision that you'd be grateful for throughout all of eternity, but you missed that decision. How tragic would that be that we missed that one decision. I want to submit to you that that would be your decision about what you're going to do with your journey with God. How are you going to process that decision? What are you going to do with that decision there? And so it's a decision that you can make to follow Him. You can do that anytime you want. You could do that right here and right now. And, uh, and so, um, maybe you're not ready to make that decision. And that's okay. I, I understand that. But let me just say this, that down the road, if you ever want to make that decision to be his follower, okay, the promise of that will be as good then as it is now. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to close in worship. And um, I just want to uh, uh, pray over us, and then we're going to have a declaration together. So you bow your heads with me. And Father, thank you this morning that... Uh, for your word, which really is a light unto our path and a, a lamp unto un, our feet. Father, thank you for the wisdom that we can get from your whispers and the wisdom we can get from the counsel of, of community. And Father, I pray that you would um, begin to stir in our hearts just a, a, a passion to know you, for Jesus has been made unto us wisdom. A passion to know you, a passion to uh, that our lives would reflect your working in our life, your wisdom. I pray that you would do what only you can do. You would go where only you can go. You're here this morning and you need to say yes to Jesus. It's really simple. Just, just um, encourage you to pray this simple prayer. And Father, I take Jesus as my Savior. Be my forgiver. Be my leader. I want to walk with you and know you. Make me your child. I receive forgiveness in Jesus' name. And Father, for the rest of us, help us. Help us to be saying yes to you.
and yes to your wisdom. Lead us and guide us, we pray in Jesus' name.